Hey everybody and welcome back to this week's edition of This Woman Can. I am your host Janice Sutherland, career strategist for the black woman over 40. Now for those of you who follow me for uh, a while or those who are new to listening, this is just a reminder that the next edition of my LinkedIn Live series, Black, Female and 50 Plus, The Power Trifecta, takes place again on June the 14th, LinkedIn Live, 12 o'clock p.m. Atlantic time. Now, I always play you um, or share with you, should I say, um, the previous the previous episode on the podcast, which took place in May. And this was all about managing your mental wellness, um, especially in your 50s, how you made that in the, in the workplace. And I had a fabulous interview with Gillian Wells. So sit back and have a listen. And don't forget, you can join us live. Join us on the LinkedIn Live if you're listening to this in real time on the 14th of June. Um, as I said, on LinkedIn, where I'll be having the conversation about staying recruitable in your 50s. And it'll be a panel discussion with myself and two uh, well-rounded recruitment specialists. Brucine Francis, Recruitment Director, and Daisy Wright, who is the CEO of the Wright Career, the Wright Career Solution, who has had a number of, between them, probably well over 25 years of recruitment experience. So come along, pose your questions. We're going to be tackling things about navigating um, artificial intelligence or how do you disguise, if you should disguise your age even, within the recruitment process and so much more. We already know there is black women, you know, black women over 50, we're probably in a triple minority status. So it doesn't hurt to understand how recruitment has changed, what you need to do to get ahead and how to do it. So join us June the 14th, you listen to real time, LinkedIn Live, just look for I am Janice Sutherland to connect. If we're not connected already, then you'll get the reminder and I'll see you there. So have a listen to the May edition of Black Female 50 us the power trifecta hey 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 good afternoon welcome back welcome back this thanks for joining us on this edition of black female and 50 the power trifecta sponsored by this woman can my name is janice sutherland career strategist for mid-career black women and if it's your first time joining our program i just want to say to you that our program is here to help you the black woman over 50, explore some of the challenges we experience as we navigate this stage of our lives and career. This month, this month we're talking about prioritizing our mental well-being for a marvelous midlife. And let me be honest, let me share with you, whilst I was researching this month's topic, I realized just how many potentially traumatizing situations black women over 50 or over our lifetime could have experienced. If you're like me and uh, you grew up in a white neighborhood, we were the first black family in our street, chances are you're, you're, um, you would have, and this is in the 70s, should I say, um, chances are you would experience racial abuse as a child, being singled out for being different. I certainly remember the attempts to inject some multiculturalism at school via class performances, being made to sing Yellow Bird, Way Up in a Banana Tree, or hearing Harry Belafonte sing Deo. And let's not forget that my hair was also a curiosity. Being a teenager and hearing the chants, there ain't no black in the Union Jack, being told to go back to where you come from, being attacked by skinheads at parties, then as an, an adult navigating the unspoken career challenges, 
overcoming microaggressions, being sidelined for roles, being made to not feel good enough no matter how hard you work, toxic bosses, climbing rungless ladders, dodging glass cliffs and having to break through glass ceilings, code switching. And then let's not forget the strong black woman trope. Black women, we of black women has been told, have been taught, I say, to internalize this persona that we're just, we're just expected to toughen up and keep on pushing. We wear multiple hats. We have multiple responsibilities. We can feel obligated to present an image of strength, suppress emotions, not allow ourselves to feel vulnerable. Um, and we have a drive to succeed with limited resources, which many of us have done and constantly been feeling an obligation to help others. Menopause, I'm going on here. This is how many things I thought about when I went through this. Menopause, um, rarely spoken about, but the toll it can have on some women, uh, the depth of emotional fluctuations that we're expected to keep, uh, our composure at all times. I'm not going to dwell on the other areas of life that can be stressors. I'm talking relationships, family, children, elderly parents. And we can't forget what's been happening more recently. Navigating the racial inequities witnessed during COVID, the drivers of the rise and the drivers and the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement. And can I be honest here? The wheat weariness of seeing history repeating itself in my lifetime. Feel like you have to shoulder the fate of race because your white colleagues became woke or they're trying their damnedest to prove that they're not the same as every other white person out there. You know what? Life is exhausting. And I never really gave much thought to my mental well-being. It was not a thing that we talked about, definitely as I was growing up. So with it being Mental Awareness Month, I thought it fitting to discuss the subject of protecting our well mental well-being in our 50s and beyond so let me introduce my guest and stop talking a little bit uh, <laughs> my guest this week my guest this week is Gillian Wells Gillian is a registered social worker with a master's degree in social work and an undergraduate degree in psychology she's located on Ontario Canada and has over 20 years of experience in the areas of domestic violence sexual abuse refugees and trauma, and most recently with, with individuals from racialized communities. Gillian has extensive experience in the field of mental health and wellness, not only as a private practitioner, but as a mental health consultant and university lecture, lecturer. Most recently, Gillian was employed as the first ever counselor for black student support at the University of Waterloo. And today, Gillian has returned back to her first love of private practice as a counsellor, work with individuals, couples, and families as a corporate mental health consultant. So Gillian, wow, welcome, 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 welcome to this edition of Black Female 50. Thank you for joining us. Now, I went through a lot of traumatising. I didn't realise we're traumatising, should I say, um, potential, potentially traumatising scenarios. So before we kick off, can you just explain to our audience um, what what do we mean by our mental health, our mental well-being? Well, you know, it's a great segue in because I really like the word uh, mental health and well-being. Sometimes what you tend to hear is things like um, mental illness. And when people hear mental illness, they exclude themselves. Like, I'm not ill. Um, I, there's nothing, you know, it's, 
I'm, I'm okay. You know, I don't have a, a diagnosis. And when we think of mental well-being, I think it's this much more accessible language. So it really allows people to stop and go, okay, I know physical well-being. I know what that entails, exercise, diet, and, and things like that. So really it's about, let's start to think about our emotional and psychological and mental states as being in a state of equilibrium or well-being and health. Right, right, right. Thank you. Thank you for that. With Yeah, yeah that, makes, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, and I suppose the question, the burning question for me really is why is prioritizing our mental health so important at this stage of our lives? What have you seen your what have you seen your practice with your clients? Well, I think first of all, I have to say in your intro <laughs> and, and when you've shared your own experiences, I think that's why, right? Because by the time if you have the privilege of making it basically to this, you know, this wonderful age, you've seen a lot. And you've seen a lot of right. things get repeated, right? So like you said, you know, uh, here too in Canada, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a mental health crisis, okay? We know what's happened the last few years, over the last few years, that what has been evidence, all that was revealed. So you've got stress, uh, people are coming to realizations, there's lots of introspection going on. So just in terms of my own private practice, what have I seen is the compounding effect of stress so it's not like oh this stressor i got a brief relief before the next one i think we were just hit bam 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 so it is this compound which has really caused people to take stock of their lives specifically black women you know i've been doing this for over 20 years and i will say i have not seen the amount of black women coming to counseling since George Floyd's murder. I, I think that's so indicative of the awareness that has been awoke that has mm -hmm. actually happened. So we're, they're taking, we're taking care, of taking stock of our lives. Uh, we've been taking care of our families. They're re-examining their role in the workforce. You know, why am I here doing yeah. this work? To what end? Am I being valued? What happens afterwards? Then you have all the wonderful physical changes that happens, which is your perimenopausal stage, your menopause state let's throw in some children who are trying to leave the nest maybe they go and they come back like birds who go and come back right and then they sort of settle a little yeah. bit and then come back with other little baby birds and back and forth right and then marriages uh relationships ending or shifting then also what you talked about just resonated so well in terms of past trauma hurts and pain revisiting themselves and that intergenerational trauma and even family dynamics so those are some of the mm. themes that i'm seeing in my office and through my virtual appointments with my clients fabulous fabulous you've just got a little playback um, not playback a little a little no knocking noise i think in your microphone just have things close to your microphone okay um, but i can but i can i can hear that i can hear that so um so and we, I touched on, yeah, I did touch on this. So, um, so what part do you think, um, what, what, what part do you think, Gillian, that the strong black woman trope has played um, in women navigating their mental health? Well, I love that. I, 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 that is a great question. First of all, I think it's a notion. It's a concept. And then I'm like, who gave that to us? Did we ask for it? Was it just given that? Was that given to us, right? Uh, you know, when I, I, I sort of contemplated on that a little bit, I'm thinking it feels like a bit of a mythical characterization that has actually the potential to hold us hostage 
to an unrealistic ideal, right? So anytime I talk to my clients and we're looking at what a strong black woman is, what I say, let's take a look at the word strong and let's create our own definition of what strong is, right? And I would definitely say that we're strong given like what you you said, you know, in your introduction, given what we have faced ongoing daily growing up in our childhood at school encounters with society, uh, encounters with work, there's no question that we're strong. But when if I really want to expand that definition a little bit more, I would also include strength. Being a strong black woman also means being vulnerable, being tired. I think I heard you use the word exhausted and having exhausted, right? And ha- but and also having the ability to recognize when we need help and to actually ask for it. So I think str- when I think of strong black woman, I think of resiliency, the ability to bounce back from, mm. right? Mm. So it has all these multi-dimensional components. So it's not just that superhero cape; it's much more yeah. Than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let me just say to the audience, the listening audience, viewing audience, if you have any questions for myself or Gillian, feel free to pop them in the comments. We'll be answering as we go through. This is a, this is a two-way thing here, or three-way. Um, we, throw, we, we learn more from the questions you guys are asking us. Totally. So please help to do that. Now, the strong black woman thing, I just want to tap, tap on that a little bit more because where I see this playing out a lot, and I'm probably guilty of it myself, is that I've probably been in, uh, and I hear this from my from my, from my clients I work with, where we've been in toxic. I'm going to use the word toxic. I mean, yeah. in work situations, where we've probably put up with a lot more um, the microaggressions, the, the how people were spoken to or how we viewed the biases, and we suck it up. I, mean, I think I put it in my post, suck it up, buttercup, because you know maybe we're the first to be here. I know from my, in my experience, I was a, I was a lot of firsts, the yeah. first black woman too, the first this to do that, you know, so we feel like we have to represent maybe, you know, do, be, be, because the people coming behind, behind us may be judged based on what we're based on, how we react to what's happening. So how do we kind of navigate that, do you think? Uh, how do we kind of, I don't want to say keep sane, but how do we not make it burn us out? Because that's what I see burnout happening as well. Yeah, uh, I think there's a bit of a delicate balance. So when when anytime I, I see a woman going through something, like, okay, you know, how come? So it could be financial reasons. She may be the only person earning money in in her she may have limited uh experiences or education and does not have that uh, privilege or ability to just move on to something else so that even that whole notion and and i know sometimes people are like well i'm going to go in and confront well this is not a story this is not the movies it's not tv confronting also has some repercussions so there's always this beautiful delicate balance that we have to achieve so i think there's this picking and choosing, using voice, articulating. There are some times when you're like, okay, I'm just gonna let this one slide. And then there are other times when you're like, no, I need to actually now have a conversation, which is also about that comment that was actually said to me in the workplace, for example. And and so then black women learn when and how to use their voices effectively. The, the issue with kind of this uh, suck it up and whatnot, it can, it can be too overarching. 
And then we tolerate everything. I think there is this really nice balance that actually has to be uh, achieved. And, you know, why do I, why am I tolerating this? What is actually going on? And sometimes yeah. when people tolerate things is because they don't know how to defend themselves. They don't have that skill. Yeah. And you know what? I don't even think sometimes we realize we're tolerating. One of the questions I often ask, my, my, I often ask is, what are you tolerating right now? And when people look at that question, they sit down and go, wow, well, I'm dealing with this. I'm tolerating that. I'm tolerating, you know, and they don't even realize that they're just going through life kind of navigating or circumnavigating these tolerances and not even acknowledging, you know, that, that, that that's what's that's what's happening. And, and the other thing you picked up on about, you know, having the conversation, what came into my mind just then was then if we do have the conversation, we can be then class as the angry, angry black woman. Uh, so there's two things happening there. How they're going to classify yeah. us, we have no control over. Have no control how you choose to classify me, my friend. What I do yeah. have control over is how I'm going to articulate the message. Yeah. Right. And how I how I choose to articulate how I choose to confront, how I choose to identify the microaggressions and what I plan on doing about that, whether it be a conversation directly with the person, supervisor, HR, union, whatever the case may be, that we have in control. How we are perceived is not mm. my is not our responsibility. Yeah, true, true, true. I like that. Really, I like that answer. I like that. I like that answer. Because you're right. We're, we're, we're constantly not making moves or making moves for fear of how we will be perceived. Guess what? You show up yeah. and you're going to be perceived anyhow. You're going to already be bought. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. Yeah, I really I really like I really like that. So so Julian, do you think there's a connection between how women approach life and career transitions? That's the space I like to work in yeah. and their mental well-being. Yeah. Career and life transitions, they're, they're muddled up together, right? And we think about um, going into, I don't know, like a meeting where you have to present and you're wearing, you know, um, you know whatever, and you get a hot flash, for example. They're, they're quite intertwined, right? Like what's going, what I am going through physically and what I'm going through in terms of my career and what I think about myself and how people perceive me and whether I know this content and I'm exhausted. There are multiple things coming at us all the time in which we're navigating and sometimes in milliseconds and we don't even recognize it. So they are intricately entwined. Yeah. And so we're oftentimes it really courage is required, right? Because we tend to just push through when it can be really, really, really hard. And I think this is at the stage where I like to, to say we need to have more compassion and care for ourselves at this time during that time of our lives yeah yeah we're not we're not good at that we're not good at that you know i'm thinking from experience it's not it's not what i was taught or how i was raised you know it was literally just plow you know get on with it plow through and stuff and the compassion wasn't a word i'd see being used often right exactly exactly and i really think there's a lot more words we need to introduce in, into our vocabulary yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for the thank you for that. But at this stage um, in our lives, in our careers, let me say, why wouldn't women be running to make positive changes 
in their lives, such as leaving, you know, we talked about toxic relations, toxic situations and stuff like that. Because from what I can see, there's so much opportunity out there. And the reason I call women, why I call this the power trifecta, is that we're, we, you know, we're, we're, we're black, you know, so we're always brilliant anyway. We're female, we always know females do the best things. And 50, we have that experience. Yeah. We have that experience that helps us, you know, that employers are asking for. So why do we feel so reticent to make that positive change, you know, uh, and, and stick with maybe a career that's damaging our mental well-being? You know, I like what you said. So I'm going to add to that wonderful trifecta that you have created, right? And, and sort of patent, as it were, and say that, well, let's add to that the great resignation the shortage of talent. I was actually reading an article, I think it was saying that even new hires are leaving. And as soon as they get hired, if if the workplace is not what they thought, that new job, they're, they're pivoting out. So it is a great opportunity. It, everything is just from a contextual point of view, really in our favor. So why aren't we doing it? And what I would say, it's, again, it's about the courage. It's about the doubts and the fears that haunt us, right? Change yeah. is hard because it requires us to do something different. We all want change, but actually few people can truly achieve it. So staying where we are in our careers, while uncomfortable, is familiar. So what ends up happening, sometimes we choose the uncomfortable familiar, which is more comfortable than the unknown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It's, it's, and, and it's I think, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say, I, I think that's why I always tell people to get comfortable with the uncomfortable, because it. You know, I think my mom always used to say to me, nothing easy, nothing, nothing hard ever came easy. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So yeah, I think we do definitely have to put, have to put have to put ourselves have to put ourselves out there. Yeah. So what are some of the things? That, sorry, sorry. Can I, carry on. I'm, no, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm just, just you know what? Off my head. You, no, yeah, <laughs> right. This is a great conversation. <laughs> I always say, if you're interrupting, you're in great synergy. Is um, you know, we're the role models. We're we're the women doing it uh, before us, who we could see. Right, representation is so important, which is why I love the platform that you have because you bring you know you yourself, your topics, the guest speakers, the panel discussions. You know, I've I've you know I've attended your events, and I'm like, ah, I'm seeing women who look like me doing making these shifts who are courageous and i think that's really really important yeah. as well too yeah yeah and and i think one of the things we talked about and i, and I didn't put it i didn't put it as my questions when i was looking at this when we first we were doing this we were doing the uh the pre the pre-chat yeah. um one of the things you touched on and it's been sticking with me it's been sticking with me you touched on was the privilege that we as black women in our 50s and in, in, in this at this stage of life now have that our, our parents didn't our mothers should i say our yeah. grandmothers didn't have yeah. so can you expand on because i thought it was a very you know i'm used to hearing about white privilege and stuff like that so when i heard the word privilege it was like oh oh privilege so would you like to just kind of expand on that for us julia 
It's like you were reading my notes. Um, <laughs> great minds, you think alike. Because that was my third point. My third point was exactly that. It is, it's, it's moving into a space of privilege. There's a lot of languaging going on right now. And I think there's much more familiarity around oppressed and not having this and not having that. And, we, and so we forget to wrap our heads around the things that we do have. So a woman, a black woman over 50, what we have is we've got all this wonderful experience and knowledge, we've got this really unique place, but it's it's literally like a real estate place. It's psychologically, it's a, it's like a real estate place. It's a place over there. Can I actually occupy that? Do you mean I actually have choice that I can exercise? I don't have to do this job. I can go into a second career. Or if you're, if you're even a privileged, um, sometimes there's some careers where you don't retire on age, but based on years of service. So if you entered this yeah. career at 20, you can be done by 50 and, and retire with all sorts yeah. of wonderful you know you know really comfortable lifestyle that's also a privilege as well too and when you're when you have privilege what clients will tell me is like what do i do what what what, what do i do because i haven't seen yeah i haven't seen it before even my own mom i said what are you gonna do when you when you retire she's like i don't know so i'm just gonna keep on working and that becomes the alternative I'm just going to keep on working yeah. because you don't have a vision for retirement. So you just keep on going. Now you can keep on going because that's what you want to do, but that's also because it's part of your vision. You knew this is what you want to do. The place of privilege is new for many of us, many it, new for myself, wrapping my head around that, getting to be able to occupy this wonderful piece of real estate. Mm. Mm. And, and I'm glad you talked about touching on that because you know something that flashed into my mind is um, my 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 mum had me very young, so there's only 17 years between only 17 years between us. So I can see we're we're literally born we're, we're actually technically born the same generation. Would you believe oh, it? But wow. never mind. That's why. So, um, but one of the things I noticed with her is when she did retire, is that is how different she became because I don't think she had a plan post-retirement post-retirement you know and i've watched the and i've watched this woman i'm thinking that's not the woman i the strong woman the woman the vibrant you know and i think it's because she didn't really have a plan so for me i think it's really important you put i know we're singing off the same hymn sheet here it's really important that we take this time now in our 50s even if we haven't retired or even in our 40s if you said like you have the long service people who have the who who are fortunate enough to kind of retire on a decent pension but still able to work that we actually start formulating our plan yes yes yeah what we've done it i think we're, we're doing probably a better job at formulating our financial plan I, I think if you ask the average woman she'll say i'm tucking away x amount so that and i so i think we've got we've wrapped our head around that financial piece, but we haven't wrapped our head around the psychological, emotional piece of yeah. what role do I play in society now? What am I yeah. supposed to do? Because we we really are human doers rather than human beers. This this kind of concept mm -hmm. of where do I fit? You, yeah. you know, what, what am I supposed to be doing? Because that's how we would define ourselves. You go into a party, what do you do, right? Yeah. So without that's that true. definition, without that vision, I think it's easy to get lost. Yeah, yeah, and and I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, I've 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 I've, I've seen I've seen it. So so why aren't women 
Any, I'm gonna you know to do a broad brush here. <laughs> why aren't we making why aren't we making mental health something that they need to take care of? Why isn't that why isn't that a priority? Because this is about prioritizing your mental well-being. So why aren't they doing that? Because we make everybody else a priority. Like that to me, that is just kind of the crux of it. We make everybody else and anybody else and anything else a priority, right? And uh, again, another notion, right? That if I put myself first, I'm selfish. This is about languaging, how we language things. So, right? It's like, got to put that, you know, I don't know how many times, like, you know, oh, I don't know, the last piece of chicken at the table. Oh, no, you have it. No, 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 go ahead. I'm not hungry. Your belly's grumbling. No, 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 have it. That's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say who's who sometimes be guilty of that. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that at all. I'm not going to say that at all. And so, so, so that, you know, so, so some of it is just social socialization where we're taught to do that. So, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, 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 it's fine. That's fine. So, I was going to say, um, so, and you touched on a myth there. You touched on one of the myths there. Yeah. So, so what are some of the myths that we have to debunk in order to make sure that our well-being is a priority. Okay, so this is where I get to kind of share uh, secrets from the therapy room or like, you know, things like that. No, I'm all, I'm all ears. Oh. <laughs> Uh, I hear this a lot, believe it or not, people will, will you know, make an appointment to see me or whatever, and, the, and they'll say, I don't believe in mental health. Yeah. And I love that one because... I usually lean in and go, mental health is not Santa Claus. It's not something you believe in or not. <laughs> it is. It exists. Like, right? And um, and so it's this idea we all have mental health. Whether that health yeah. is optimal or not is the, is, is the question. But we all have mental health. So oftentimes when people say to me, I don't believe in mental health, what they're really saying is I don't understand therapy. I don't understand, I haven't found a good therapist. Or, you know, what is this all about? But I, I hear that. So that's one of the, the things. And culturally, I hear that a lot as well too. You know, my family doesn't believe in mental health. Yeah. We don't believe in mental health. So that is a, a big myth that is also a bit of a cultural barrier as to, to accessing really good treatment and care. Um, so there's that piece of it, even if it means going to a doctor and having the conversation, well, I don't believe in that. The person can be actually hurting and still say they don't believe in it. And I always give people the analogy, like if you fell down the stairs and hurt yourself, you would go get immediate care. And it's the same thing as being able to identify you are in pain and you need to get appropriate treatment and care. Right. Um, I think another myth, um, I'm going to throw it under myths because I just feel it's appropriate. You know, if you, if you just have positive thoughts, you know, everything will be okay. So just change your mindset. And you know, like, just change your mindset. No, it's just how many people have just tried to change their mindset when in truth and in fact, it's actually not your mindset. It's the people yeah. around you. It's a, to it's a toxic family situation. Yeah. It's relationship yeah. it's a harmful environment you could have um you know biological predisposition sorry, sorry predisposition to a mental health yeah. condition so sometimes these you know you know just do this and and because sometimes it it goes deeper it's like a weed you know you can because yeah. you always say that you garden you know you can pull out yeah. something pretty successful but you know it just comes right back 
it comes right back out. How you get that that tool, that instrument, and dig deep, and you're like, wow, these roots were deeper than I thought. And so sometimes this idea of just thinking, uh, you know, positive thoughts is not sufficient. Another myth is there's something wrong with me. Again, words are, you know, words are very, I'm very particular around words. Wrong is such a negative judgmental statement. You know, if you, if you're not feeling well, if you have a mental health condition, if your well-being is off, there's nothing wrong with you. You are going through life. You're having problems, issues, stressors that you just don't have the solution to at this time. Yeah. Yeah. My, the final one which I sort of tucked in and I hear this a lot. And I think I heard it this week from a client was if I start crying, I won't be able to stop. Now I have clients, clients cry all the time and none of them are still crying to this day. <laughs> none of them, none of them have called me up and said a week later, I am still crying. Right? Yeah, yeah. But they, there's this fear that if I go into this thing that I have kept tucked away in the vault, this deep, hurtful, painful thing. I, I just, I'm just going to be a puddle on the floor and I'll never recover. So this idea that if I, and they actually say that if I'm afraid, if I start crying, I won't stop. And I've always reassured them by the time we're done, you're going to stop crying. Don't worry about it. It just feels like it. Yeah. No, I can, again, you know, again, sometimes I think sometimes, and again, I'm speaking from experience here, you've probably held something in so much that there's a fear of actually letting it out. And when it, you know, and it's like, if I do, I mean, I've, I've, I've probably ugly cried in a few places. I shouldn't have ugly cried, yeah. you know. Yeah, but I felt better afterwards. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Let me just take a few comments from the audience because they've been rolling in, which is great because I can't see any people online here. So it's good. You make me feel, you make me feel better um, <laughs> seeing those comments coming in. So we had one comment that just said, um, absolute to Gillian. While we may understand what we are dealing with internally, externally we may be in a situation where employers do not understand or care to understand what we are experiencing, especially when we have a male boss. This is specific to the office scenario spoken to earlier. Um, and then I have an actual question, part of a question, this was here. Um, I'm trying to show it. There we go. Retox environments. I think it is important to be able to express issues. However, I also think it is key to have someone safe to speak within your organization. Who does one go to express themselves? That's a great question. Yeah, uh, both those, both of those. Even the, sec- the first one was a comment. The second one was a question. Thank you both for those. Yeah. Is what what they're both getting at is safe environments, right? And as yeah. black women, you know, we've discovered that you know. Certain places are just not safe for us, right? So where am I going to be vulnerable? This is what I always tell my clients. I actually tell them, especially in this virtual world, a little bit different if you're pivoting back in the office or you're there already. I say, keep a journal. Keep a journal next to you and write down the experience. Write down when someone dismissed you in that meeting again or that person took your idea or how they spoke to you. Here's why it's so important to write it. You have all these things that happen to you time and time and time again, and it's very easy to internalize it and think there's something wrong. And then you just get angry and frustrated. The beauty about writing it out is it externalizes it. And then you're able to look at it objectively and like, you know what I noticed? That when we're in meetings with our other boss, Tom, my colleague, will talk over me, this and that. So then at least you have some more factual and you can look at it, process it, 
organize it. And if you have to take it to somebody in your organization, whatever that due process is, you have something that's more organized. It, you can look at the facts, you know, fa you know, facts over, you know, uh, yeah. facts over emotions, right? Facts over feelings, sorry. And you're able to then articulate and say, you know, the last three meetings when we were looking at strategizing, we were supposed to work, I noticed that we're not getting collaborativeness. And here are the behaviors that I have noticed repeatedly by this individual. And I think that is very tactical and something yeah. that you could take somewhere. Yeah. And, and I think it also gives you a little element of, for me, when I hear, heard that, is a little element of being in control of the situation, even yeah. though I may not feel in control of the situation. Yes. That makes sense. Yes. Yes. Does that make and, sense? Yeah. Oh, it yeah. totally is. Because when somebody does something, you know, dismisses us, undermines us, takes our thoughts and runs with it or presents it, you have an emotional reaction. It's like, you know, like anger and distrust and then frustration and just a whole ball of emotions instantly. And then remember, you're on to the next meeting or the next project. And and so being able to stop yeah. and capture it removes it from inside of you. And at yeah. least it places out there. And now you can do something about it. Fantastic. Fantastic. Let me just take another question. Sure. Um, it's a great question here, actually. How do we as professional women build a community to continue to tackle the issues or even celebrate our achievements? Thank you, pandemic, for the virtual world, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> now, like, look where you are, look where I am, look where each one of us is. We have been yeah. siloed by society. So depending on where you live, you might look around and go, there's not enough professionals. There are platforms, there are areas, there reach out to individuals. They don't even have to be of your same profession right and start mm -hmm. to create that psychological safe place where you can meet up virtually and say you know i really struggled this was really hard i tried yeah. to pitch something and this is what happened so if you don't already have one don't be bound by geographics yes. and i think this yeah. is beautiful again this is why i adore your platform because you you create an accessible space so reach out to other like-minded individuals say hey can we get together doesn't have to be big it needs to be psychologically safe and supportive yeah and and you, and, and you just hear you say that because one of the things i do at the moment and it's a, it was a kind of a start as a networking thing but i'm actually seeing the the power in it is i do I do uh, roundtables. I come women of women of color, women of color and leadership roundtables, and I reach out to to women in my network just to. I think this don't want to say safety in numbers, but with the virtual like this virtual platform, the power it's only as, it's only as powerful as as the effort you put into it. So yeah. I've started meeting with these women that I've connected with just to understand more about the challenges they face, to understand more. Um, how we can support each other, even yes. though we're across oceans. And what I found is that there's a well, two couple of things I found is that one, sometimes there could be, you know, there could be a couple of generations between them. There's 20 yeah. years, because you know, I'm not indiscriminate about who I'm picking. But yeah. the experiences they're having now were experiences I was having in my own career 20 years ago. Yeah. One, it's astounding that we haven't gone any further sometimes with this. But secondly, I can actually share my experience. Yes. Um, maybe that share what the, some of the tactics I used. And it also what I've heard is that people have said to women have said to me, you understand, you get it. Uh, uh, listen, the, I, sorry to interrupt you. The you get it is one of the most important things. 
When I do uh, counseling, I, when I did counseling at the university, they would book the appointments and they'd come on, like especially during the pandemic, virtually, and and you would nod, and they always said, "Cause you get it." You, so what happens is shorthand for all these cultural things. I don't have to educate you. I don't have to yeah. teach you about certain things. We just do the nod and we get it. That shorthand yeah. is so bonding it's so community there's certain things i don't have to explain to you and it's like oh that just feels so nourishing and so i'm so relaxed in this space so yeah there's that shortcut of you get it not does that does not mean you know everything you do not know everything about me and my experience, but there are some shared experiences and that's what we're looking for is shared experiences I mean, it's, not, it's almost like the minimization because I know I've spoken to maybe a Caucasian colleague about how I've experienced and they will do the thing where it's well, you know, well, we went through this night, but you're you're not listening. It can never be the same. I'm not saying for you to, it's, it's not, I'm not trying to have a pity party with you. I'm just trying to explain to you how I experienced this. And, and it's something you, it's maybe a nuance you didn't realize existed because you're not, it's not your lived experience. You know, there's, and, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's such a difference. There's such a difference. And, and I think in the past, I could be challenged on this, is we would go and explain it. Well, well I'll explain to you what, what, what has happened to you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Now I'm just tired. I'm, I'm right where you're just tired. Like, I'm going to explain it. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Yeah, it's right? And I think that is also new because I don't think we would have admitted a fatigue. I think we would have definitely um, done a lot of educating. And that's also too, because there's a lot of books, there's been so much movement around educating and and if people choose to be allies. And, and it's also how other people who are not of color try and make sense of something that they themselves have not experienced. So it's, it's complicated and it has all these elements in it. But you know, getting back to we, the the the, it's so community is so important. I think community is also just part of our cultural backbone, and we've been siloed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just to add to that, to the, the the comment that was about creating a community, if you want to visit my website, it's a shameless plug here, JanisSutherland.com. Okay. <laughs> um, I have a weekly newsletter that I that's specifically for mid-career black women where I talk about the challenges the issues and stuff like that and I'll be building a community so get on that newsletter get on that newsletter subscribe to that newsletter and I can keep you informed of when we're going to have these more I suppose virtually open events where we can we can we can talk some of these issues out so thank you for that now I've got someone's very it's, I'm not sure what the question is here but um, the question that was given uh, was was said was how can someone believe in something they had no idea it existed at all. I'm not quite sure that's referencing to. And then he goes on to say, um, children are not taught about, well, that was the mental health reference, children who are raised on farms with parents who are avid, avid practitioners of healthy living. I'm not quite sure, Harold, Harold John, where you're going with that question. I mean, it wasn't quite, it wasn't quite clear. So if you want to uh, maybe reference it a little bit more, maybe it's part of the conversation. We missed it in the flow of the conversation. Please let me know. But um, but we are getting some comments about, you know, we usually usually hold things as women since there's such a stigma of us being emotional. Oh, oh, thank you for that. Could you 
being emo being emotional is, is part of who we are. I mean, you know, people talk to me, look, my hands are going, my my facial expression, this is who I am. Have I have I worked I have I toned it down? Yes, I toned it down in the past in order to sort of fit this. But then the feedback I got is like, no, you need to keep doing this. So how could you imagine what we leave on the table if we're like we don't bring our emotion now of course there's something called emotional regulation which is we want to make sure our emotions are appropriate for the setting but i believe all of us are professionals and mature enough so again that comment speaks to oh i gotta leave this behind i can't bring this to work i can't bring this to my career or my profession because it's been it has not been accepted and it has been labeled and i think that needs to shift bring all of you to the table yeah the irony is of that when you just said that is that we are told to be from a leadership perspective i'm going to say that it's been being authentic or authenticity is what can help you make make you be a better leader you know so it's it's that irony you know you you, you the emotion is part of you but maybe don't show it, but yes, you need to show it because you need to be authentic. Well, there's a trap with authenticity, right? We want you to be authentic as long as you do this, 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 and this. That's not authentic. <laughs> You're still meeting criteria, yeah. right? Authenticity yeah. means I'm bringing all of me, including my broken yeah. pieces, including my my flaws, but I'm wrapping them up in this professional package. It's like saying, I want you to be authentic, but can you sort of change how you do this? And so, I think a lot of these comments are addressing the myths and the narratives that we have been told by society. It's just that we now have the courage to go, hang on, can you just wait a second? What do you mean I can't do this? Why am I now an emotional or the angry black woman? And I think that's yeah. really what these comments are talking about. They're pointing to, I'm gonna put my hand up and start asking and debunking some of these things that were said about me. Yeah, fabulous. We've just got some clarity for that question we were talking about earlier. Um, it was said that Gillian had said that people that said that people say that they do not believe in mental health. Yeah. So that goes to the question: How do they believe in something they didn't know existed? Oh, okay. So, so okay. So I love that belief in existed. It really is. Um, they felt it. They knew it. They didn't have a name for it. There wasn't a conceptualization. So if somebody is sad like and they're like i don't believe in mental health but you do agree that you're sad and you're struggling to get out of bed and you're you're struggling with motivation and and, and some other symptoms and things like that and then what you find is that there's a name for it and that there's a potential there's symptoms for it and there's potential treatment for it and so we're really it's this convergence on this experience and then the words that go with it right and the words that go with it is that oh, this is mental health, this is mental well-being, I need to talk to someone, this is anxiety, this is what anxiety feels like, this is what a panic attack is. And so this conversion upon this experience with the words and then it comes together and all of a sudden you have a better definition or an articulation of what you're experiencing. Hope that explain. Hope that explains it for you, Harold John. Hope that explains it. So let me just nip back. We're going to coming down to the, the wire. Our last few questions. Right. Here. And you can so see I'm going to tap, yeah, tap into your professional capacity. So how does counselling help with supporting a marvelous midlife? Well, here's the thing with counselling. It's a beautiful way to guide you through. It's objective. It's an objective perspective. I'm not your friend. 
<laughs> right? I'm, I'm going to point, help you point out your blind spots, right? It's a safe space to talk. It's the ability to be vulnerable in a psychologically safe space without judgment. Professional yeah. expertise and knowledge. That is so critically important, as well as validation and support. So many people feel that they are the only one going through X, Y, Z. And to hear like, yeah, I've heard that story before, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I call it the I call it the me myself and I syndrome. That's what I that that's what I call it because you know yeah. nobody else has experienced whatever had or understand. You know, and yeah, it's amazing. Tap the shoulder, the next person next to you, they've been through something similar. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, so let's get, get start to close off here. Um, what tips and strategies can you share to promote healthy self care practices, Gillian? Um, really quick, I'm going to say, hey, controversial, let's go for it. I don't believe in hacks when it comes to mental health. So sorry, putting it out there. A hack is a shortcut. Okay. Here's the thing with mental health. Uh, it's like telling, telling me you're going to make a chicken for me and you pop it in the microwave for five minutes. I get a little bit nervous. Okay. I want to know that that chicken has hit the oven and it has been roasting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, we want these one quick hit wonders and really, this is really about depth, really taking the time to put the work into digging a little bit deeper. It's not always pretty. It's not always nice. Lots of Kleenex, keep that, you know, hanging around. Um, so there's yeah. that. So you need to, so you need to be prepared for, for, for putting in the work for sustained change. If you want the change to stick. Um, also be intentional, make it a priority. If you're a working person and you have health benefits for prescription, mm. for vision, for braces, dental, you also have it for mental health. You need to tap into that as well too. Keep it as a budget line. I, I have it that, you know, have it as a budget line, the same way you would have a massage or anything else. That way you're paying it. Mm. You don't have to use it every month, but at least you know it's there. Keep looking until you find the right therapist. So many people say, Julian, I can't find the right therapist. How many times do you try? Once. Seriously? Yeah. Keep looking yeah. and have some really good, interview your therapist. They're working for you. Interview your therapist. Goodness of fit. For example, I do 15 minute consults. I'm not for everybody. You know, and I wish people well and I move yeah. them on to other people. So there's that as well too. That and then the journal, what I spoke about before, writing things down externalizes experiences. Really important with our day, the day-to-day -day microaggressions and racism and things like that that we encounter on a regular basis. Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. So my last question before I close off here today: um, What? What's the? I always like to look at the joy of something because I love be. I actually love being in my fifties. You know, I really, I, one, for one, I can't believe I am. That's one thing. But, you know, but I don't, I don't see it as the, probably the, 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 the challenge I would have, I would have thought of when I was much, much younger. So what's the joy of practicing good mental health at 50? I would say it's like yummy and it's delicious. You know, you wouldn't think, what's a therapist? But it is, it's yummy, it's delicious. It's beautiful, it's wonderful and effective. What a great time in your life. Depending on where you are, for the most part, it's such a luxury. 
right? Because you're in a stage of your life where the kids are likely independent, even if they're coming and going, they're independent, um, where you are, you're at the peak of your career, because you hopefully have about, you know, 20, 30 years of, of whatever it is that you do. So you're at the peak, my friend, right? You know things, you, you have a consolidated time. This is a time to consolidate all your wisdom and your experience. And we've got energy, right? So this is such a wonderful time. So let's just pull in that last piece, which is a mental health piece. Let's start to challenge some of those narratives around, um, you know, being super women, uh, family dynamics, pain, unresolved issues. Let's start to work on letting some of those go so that we can really truly feel present and whole at this wonderful time of our lives. Fantastic, fantastic. And Julie, if people want to reach out to you or connect, can they do that via how, how can they what's the best way to do that? Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah, I've got a yeah. website. I always say hunt me down. People are good with technology. Uh, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> hunt me down. I'm also on psychology today. Um, I love to hear from people. I, I'm thoroughly and utterly passionate about mental health and well-being, especially as it rates sorry, relates to us as black folks, because we're a little bit late getting into the game. And I want as many yeah. of us being just presenting whole. Yeah. And you know, I think what's great right now, um, and this is probably me just talking, just talking, just talking off my head, is that there's so many of us now being open about the fact that we'd want to work with our people. Yes. You know, I mean, I, 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 you know, maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe I've been under rock somewhere, but I've not heard it, you know, being so loud and proud about people saying, you know, this is who I work with. This is who I prefer to work with. Yes. This is who I want to work with, with. you yes. know, and so, and it's good, to, as you said, to have represent, they say representation matters and they're not wrong. It, it is so important, especially when it comes to me mental health is, I want to be able to tell you something about my my childhood, how I was raised, but you know, like, but there's that shortcut again. Is that getting it? Does I do not know everything that you have lived through. That's your lived experience. But we we know that we've shortcutted it. And again, I'm hearing that in so many areas. And I, I again go out there, get the assistance that you need unload talk and i think you know the mere fact that you've decided to use today to talk about mental health and black yeah game changer yeah and women over 50 and women <laughs> over 50 thank my power trifecta my power trifecta so Gillian, thank you so much let me just close off my let me just close off my audience thank you so much for your insights and your wisdom um it was fabulous was fabulous i just i just love the fact we're on the same hymn sheet so let me just close off let me just close off here so everybody so thank you so much for joining us this month in black female and 50 the power trifecta if you have any suggestions on topics you'd like me to explore i'm already lining up the next few months let me know message me um, on this platform or email at info at JaniceSutherland, if you'd like to learn more about what i do how i can help your career uh, listen to the latest this woman can podcast or to sign up to the weekly newsletter i mentioned earlier uh, specifically for mid-career black women where we cover strategies stories to inspire and i'm going to say that out loud events and programs and all things to support you guide you towards work that makes you feel fabulous 
head over to JaniceSutherland.com. So until next time, you know, as I said, thank you so much for joining me. And it's always, always a pleasure. Thank you so much and see you next. See you next month. So as I said, great conversation there between myself and Gillian Wells. I hope you took away a couple of helpful tips or some insights and advice to help you navigate your mental wellness um, in your 50s and beyond. As I said, I'm really looking forward to seeing you live on the next LinkedIn Live, staying recruitable when you're over 50 on Tuesday, I nearly forgot then, Tuesday the 14th of June at 12 o'clock Atlantic Standard Time. Send your questions, post your questions. You can even email them at info at janissutherland.com and I will take your questions and post them live when we go live. So hope to see you there. But if not, remember, as always, if I can, you can, this woman can. Take care until next time. Hey fabulous, have you joined my private group This Woman Can Yet? It's a community for mid-career black women who are unafraid to challenge the status quo, advance their careers, build and share power without shortchanging their life. The This Woman Can community is a virtual space where black women over 40 can connect freely, share their thoughts, get support with career challenges, network and hang out with like-minded women. No woman should feel like they need to figure out everything on their own. You deserve a group of women you can trust, who understand what you're going through and who generally want to help you succeed. Apart from this team in your corner, This Woman Can will share tools specifically geared to women looking to keep moving on the up and up in their careers and their mid-lives. In other words, it's the place where you, me and fellow mid-career women speak our truth, share our successes, advise on best practices and get inspired. Head over to JaniceSutherland.com and click the join community and I'll see you there because I would love to have you be part of it.